On this episode of Quantum Week, June 25th through July 1st, 2006. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and we talk about movies and music and headlines and history and stories and all that stuff. And we are in the end of June 2006. That's right. Um, Devil Wears Prada and Crazy. That's right, by Niles Barkley. Yes. Uh, so let's get into Devil Wears Prada. I will say right up top, I'm going to have to rely on my phone a little bit. Because this is a world I don't really know about. This is a romantic comedy world. So these, you know, romantic comedies have specific writers, specific directors. Yeah, I didn't know this guy. They have a whole genre. And it's a genre that I, as a 40-year-old male, straight male, I don't have any interest in. I mean, I was in when, you know, when Harry Met Sally and Princess Bride. I'm in, I'm in on those. Princess Bride isn't a romantic comedy. You don't think it is? No. Like I think 27 it's funny dresses, and it's there's a, like There's a whole... That's different. No, it's that's not. It's like teeny bopper comedy. But that's romance. the same writer as this. So this is... Yeah. This, this, this is what I'm talking about. There's okay. like uh, a lot of these... And there's a whole movie, there's a whole basically genre movie that, that does actually does quite well. Yeah. That's geared directly toward women in their 20s and 30s. And usually they're pretty cheap to produce. And, uh, that, and there you go. This, this is not necessarily that, but it does have all the same people involved. So like the director is David Frankel. The writer is Aline Brosh McKenna. Mm. And these are not, um, uh, big names in my movie world. They're just not movies that I enjoy. They don't make movies I enjoy. Um, the only new uh, movie I really knew by Frankel, the director is, uh, Marley and me. I've never yes. seen it, but that's the only and I've one seen I knew. that one. It's the only one I've seen. Yeah. Um, but it's other movies too, right? So, uh, if I keep messing up the names, I just want to get that way. I do apologize because don't I, apologize. I just don't, they don't deserve it. I just don't know the, this genre that well, which also speaks to now let's get into the criticism of the movie a little bit. Um, Devil Wears Prada is, uh, I don't think it's terrible, but it's also not a movie made for me. This is this movie's trash, and it's oh, uh, no. about trite things. It's trite things about trite people, basically. This movie's trash. Yeah, I don't know if it is. Okay. Um, I, I love that you're defending this movie. This uh, is going to be great. I, this is going to be a tough thing. Okay, I don't think this movie's particularly good. But I don't think it's bad. I give it a C plus. I'll just say off top. This is a D plus. Is maybe this bottom five or no? I don't think so because we've seen a lot of shit. Okay, but it's close. It's definitely in the bottom. You know, twenty percent of our films. So yeah, top bottom 10, I would say. Okay. Ish. Um, I don't know if it's this, I, I forget where that would fall there, but I think I like this movie better than you. So I will defend it, I guess. Okay. Um, great. I'll defend certain elements of it. So the best element of this movie, the thing the movie is most famous for, of course, is Meryl, Meryl Streep. And I think she's fine. I, I just don't think it's hard to play that type of character, that type of kind of stuck up like snooty character. I don't think that's particularly difficult. So it's hard for me to give her a lot of credit for that. So I think the way she played it deserves a lot of credit. You think because it's understated? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, I think every other, I should say it, most every other actress who got this role, especially you think about it, I mean, not to, who would get this role? A woman in their 50s probably? Yeah. I know she thinks she was in her 60s, but whatever, maybe late 50s, whatever. So these are women typically who aren't getting choice roles. They're going to hand this the fuck up. They're yeah. going to go and I can see that. they're going to take it to an 11. They're going to scream, rant and rave. And then maybe that dramatic moment is when she then, um, she dials it back. I see. So you go over the top for a while and then you bring it down. But yeah. she just goes pretty understated for a while. Right. But then... Did she her, have a big moment? I guess that... Well, I mean, when I say a dramatic moment, I mean that moment when she admits she's getting divorced on oh, the couch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think a, a normal... A, a standard actress... Um, what is it? A replacement level actress <laughs> yes. would have been, uh, would have then, you know, that's when they kind of die. And that's also when they probably dial up the tears, right? Yeah. They go total 180. Where with... 
Meryl Streep doing it, she shifts the character a bit, but still keeps the character's integrity and still keeps who the character is. Yeah, she's still pretty closed down. You mm-hmm. see red eyes, but you don't see cry. I don't think she's there. And even though tears. her body, yeah, her, her posture in that whole thing is very still very standoffish, despite the fact that she is finally opening up. Yeah, and uh, but the whole way she plays the character, she doesn't ever try to be likable. And I think a lot of actresses and actors, they, you know, their whole career is being likable, and they they try to be charming. I mean. Do you think that directors will hire um, actors and actresses if they like the character more, or do they, or do you think they just appreciate the skill? You think that that, that matters? Like if if she's not likable in this film, she's she's the she's the you know the, the no. Evil person. I think it's better she's not likable. I bet the yeah. director would want that, but okay. actors I think inherently are going to try to be likable. I see. I think it's like part of their DNA. Yeah, and particularly her probably. I don't know. I don't. I. I, so I think. I think her with her resume, she doesn't need to be likable. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, I'm just thinking of her characters. Like a lot of times, her characters are very likable. Are typical likable. Right? Trying to think like Julia and Julia, which I really liked right. her in. Actually, she's very you know very good at, as Julia. And Child. she's a, she has typically a, a more likable presence. Yeah. on, on oh, screen. Yeah. Um. So for her to do this, I, I think she does a really good job with it. I think it's a very good performance. All right. I'm not going to say it's bad or that I'm knocking her, and I do recognize her skill set. I just felt like it was sort of an easy choice. That's all. I just felt like understated was not a, not a difficult thing, not a, like a difficult choice for this particular role, but okay. I liked it a lot. All right. Um, and, uh, so what else did I like about this movie? Uh, I liked the fact that every, unfortunately, anytime Meryl Streep's not on camera, this movie is slows to a glacial pace. Yeah. Uh, Emily Blunt's good too, but we're getting to her in a second, but, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Hathaway. I just want to finish oh, up with okay. Streep real sorry, quick. Ahead, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so with Meryl Streep here, um, the character never loses, and this is a credit to the screenwriter. It seems to the end that the, a typical shift is that Meryl Streep is a good guy and tries to... Yep. But at the end, she's still an asshole. She's she still, is. She, she takes the, the, the Stanley Tucci character, who also is quite good. I think this movie's well cast. Stanley's actually pretty good. Yeah, I think he's good in this role. Th- this cast is quite good. Because he could have been way more overstated, too. Like, he could have gone way, way flam- more well, like flamboyant. But he, was, he, he, he wasn't that at all. No, or he could have gone more friendly. He could have gone... And right. he was very cool. And I lived right. in New York. Uh, not, you know, this was, what, 06, 05 was this film? 06, yeah. 05. Um, you know, it came out in 06, but it was filmed in 05. I yeah. lived there from 12 to 16. So, you know, it's not that different. And this is how people act there. Like, this is this is what it's like. It's, yeah. you know, people, especially successful people, are can be quite cool at like this. And, uh, and Stanley Tucci, I think, played it marvelously. And it's so funny. Remember we d- did Presumed Innocent, and he tried to play a killer, and it was just <laughs> yes. awful? It wasn't Presumed Innocent. That was the Pelican Oh, brief. you're right. It was Pelican yeah, Reef. Yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it was, like, it was ridiculous, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, right. but... Uh, he is such a good actor, so it's kind of I'm like, oh, finally we get a good. We're seeing a better side of him. He, I think he, yeah, I think he's, he's really good. He is, he is good. This movie's really, and I said, this movie is very well cast, and I think this is why the movie was successful. Okay, you have Streep, you have Tucci, uh, Emily Blunt's good in this. The okay. character's not well written. Don't no. confuse the two. She does good in this. It's okay, I think she's good. She's fine. Yeah, the, maybe maybe it's more I hate the character. Maybe that maybe yes. that's what it is. I don't the like the character's really unlikable. Right. And the character is really crudely written. Yeah. And they and they take away the character's best moment by having to get into a car accident. Exactly. Oh, dude, that was a pro- we can get into that in a second. Let's talk about the actors first, but I do want to talk about that, that was really fucking bad. stupid uh, thing. Um there's a few twists and turns that don't work in this movie. No. Um so uh, so that I guess kind of weaves us to like Anne Hathaway, who I will say up top. <sighs> yeah. I'm probably an Anne Hathaway apologist. I think she's very attractive. Oh, she's attractive. And she, she's, she's not attractive here, but she's, she's attractive. Charming. She is charming. I've and, liked her in things. Uh, 
I, I, in Hathaway wins me over in a weird way. It's just, it just, um, I, I'm, so I will forgive a lot of faults. Having said that, this, how, once again, I'm going back to the screenplay again, how this character is written, <sighs> which is strange for something based on a true story is because usually those characters have more depth because sure. you have something to work from. Right. It's just like, well, man, and it's also I, the main part of the story. You'd think you'd write the main character. Well, not, not, it's not, no, it's not good. So uh, yeah, go, I guess go into, I was going to say, so, um, she's kind of got a Meg Ryan appeal. Like when my Meg Ryan's in, in, uh, in, you know, in romantic comedy. She kind of does. She's I got get, that. Sort I guess of, you're right. I guess yeah. it is. It, it, and I, I like that, Meg Ryan. It's not a terrible comparison. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's not, it's not bad. So, um, yeah. Okay. So the, what ends up happening is, um, who Emily is played by Emily Blunt. She is the number one, um, assistant to Meryl Streep's character. And she's supposed to go to Paris, whatever Paris fashion week. Right. But she gets hit by a car. So she can't go, but Meryl Streep's character already is told and Hathaway's character. You have to tell her that she's not good. Like she's not my number one anymore. She can't go. Right. So Anne Hathaway is saved from having that conversation because Emily Blunt gets hit by a car. It's a total cheat. But she still has the conversation anyway. Right. It's which is stupid. You could just say, listen, you broke your fucking leg. You just got into a car accident. I'm getting on a plane with, with fucking... Well, I think she knows that Meryl Streep's character is never is going to let her know no matter what. I guess, but they don't they don't go into that But here's all. my whole thing. Yeah. Why have... So we're cheating out of like one of the better dramatic moments of, exactly. the, of the movie. Exactly. Have the confrontation. That would be a, a, a great... Because you're kind of like... You're watching, you're like, oh man, even when they're doing it, because they're doing it over the phone at first, and you're like, I want to I see this happen face to face. I don't want right. to see this in a cell And phone. then they kind of do it. I'm going to go out there and just do it. Or talk to me when you come, when you get in. Right. Yeah. So you think you're going to get it. Right. And then you don't. Why don't you fucking do it? And the funny thing is, so th- there are a couple of things that were changed from the, from the book. Um, the book is, right. is a true story. I, I haven't read the book, but I just, no. I did some research for the show, but yeah. I, yeah, I have not read the book. I will admit. Um, but I guess it's one of the things they changed. They changed that whole. So there was thing. a confrontation. It did happen. Uh, yeah, I get. I, but and it, there was no, there car, was no accident. car accident. I don't know why. Why would you ever do that? I think these it, romantic comedies, and this is where we have to maybe take a, take a step back for a second. Yeah. Even this is that they have these kind of moments. So romantic comedies run at a different pace and a different structure than movies we're, tra- we're traditionally used to. What seeing. do you mean? Um, like girl beats boy, or or love interest meets love interest. I think there's like something creepy. breaks them up and then they get back together. Yeah, you're really oversimplifying it. Am I? So yeah, there's, there's some nuances and stuff and there's some sort of structure thing. So like, let's take a Disney cartoon. Yeah. Because everyone's, I'm sure, has seen Disney cartoon. I obviously hate cartoons, but I still have seen them. Right. They all have the same kind of structure, right? Which is that, you know, it starts off, you know, it might have a song up top and then uh, it has kind of like Broadway themes throughout. Sure. And then, um, you know, we have, sometimes we even have a parents die and then um, there's a low point, like, right, you know, the child's a low point. Child, you typically have friends. They always have friends help them. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, right, you get the band together to go do something. Yeah, and then they end up falling in love at the end. Okay. Like, it's kind of like, a, you know, I know I'm kind of like cobbling the other stuff, but there's, there's kind of a flow to All a right. Disney cartoon that's not like regular movies, right? So you watch a regular movie, and like, if it behaves like a Disney movie all the time, you like, this no, is No, if there was a song, you'd want to, yeah. Or whatever, it just, it doesn't fit right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So romantic comedies have a different structure than a typical movie. And I'm sure it's been tested. I'm sure they've done cinema score tests and stuff. And women in that age group, they'll go see this kind of movie like that structure. Mm. And they might not want to see a confrontation. Women are maybe confrontation averse. They might want something to happen. They don't want the Emily character to be completely fucked over. Right. Where if me and you, we might want to see the Godfather where people are getting murdered and we don't mind that. So 
Because you don't end up feeling that bad about Anne Hathaway, even though no. even though um, Meryl Streep's character is like you you fucked over Emily, right. like you're just like me. But we don't actually see that happen, so no. maybe we don't dislike her less. And there's no confrontation between the women, and I don't think women want. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be there's sexist sort of a here, boss, but. Like, but they don't. But they, it, I guess they don't yell about it to each other. No. Yeah. I guess it's more like dominant, you know, submissive. Right. I guess that's and it. And they're kind of like uh, catty and and mean yeah, and, like, yeah. and shitty. But no one's ever like aggressive. I suppose you're right. And I don't know if women like that. So like, uh, so I was out with some friends this past weekend. So I've been going. So we're not having a show for a week. Yeah, so right. We're taking next week off. Yeah, next week there's um, going to be no show. I, I go. I'm trying to go away as much as possible in August before Sunday <sighs> yes. day. And yes, yes. We're in true COVID, so I'll be actually gone in and out. So we just don't have we don't have time to to. We're losing a week basically. Right. Right. So one of the reasons we're doing this also because I was gone last week. Yeah. And I was out with some friends, and uh, we were talking about the Sandlot episode. Oh really? These that friend, came these up. friends are fans of the show, and uh, and they backed me on the Sandlot take. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the, uh, they all like the Sandlot, right? Mm. So, you know, they, they enjoy the Sandlot. And my friend is, uh, the guy friend, uh, is, says, oh, I like the Sand a lot, a lot, but I really love the episode because it was fun hearing, you know, a Matt, take Matt's and, shitty take and, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, you guys having a debate about it. it, was, <laughs> right. it was, he enjoyed hearing the debate. Of course. Right? And then his wife was like, oh, I like Quantum Week, but I'm not going to listen to that episode oh. because I don't want to hear someone shit on something I love. Oh, and it was like, it was like, oh shit, you know, you. The light bulb went on for you. Right, a little bit. It was like, oh, that there is women, you know, I know women, not every woman, I'm going to couch it because I know, God forbid. Yeah, some you, you women. Know, but a lot of women don't want to have deal with confrontation. As, they're not as comfortable with it as men are. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know, it's hormonal. I don't know, society. I don't know. I'm not in charge. I'm just saying what my experiences are and the movie experiences frame that as well. Right. So. With something like Devil Wears Prada, it's difficult for me or you to really critique this, which is unfortunate because we're doing the show, um, because it's not meant for us. I guess it's not. And we're not used to it. I don't know. But what is meant for, like Hunt for Red October, is that meant for yes. us? It is. It's meant for a male audience. I, uh, I know, but like- That's actually a great example. Uh, that, no, that, sorry, that's a bad, I, I didn't know example. it. What was the other one? Not Hunt for Red October. What was the most oh, recent like one? Oh, well, or whatever, K-19. Yeah, K-19. The, like, the Widowmaker. <laughs> the Widowmaker. I don't know if that's for us either. Absolutely, it's made for us. That's uh, for like Russians. Okay, I guess you're So it is interesting though, we did, we kind of talked this a little bit on a Superman episode. Yeah. So you're like, at the very end of the episode, you're like, wow, it's kind of weird that Devil Wears Prada made all this money. Like, because, like, is that a typical summer blockbuster? And at first I said, no. Right. Like, it's not. And then we, as we were talking, I kind of came around, I'm like, wait a second. Actually, I think it kind of is because it's great counter programming to Superman Returns, right? Because yeah. the yeah, guys right. see that. And the women don't say, you know, and movies are made for, you know, they go out, edited movies are edited a certain way. There's a real science to this stuff. Sure. Scripts are written a certain way. You know, look they at, do get tested in front of audiences. Like, look yeah. at the names of this movie. Like, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, but like, when I was watching the credits, I'm like, I don't recognize other than the actors. Yeah. I don't recognize anyone involved with this movie. And I'm like, I'm the movie nerd that likes to see who edits it and who's the, the, the screenwriters. I'm that guy that watches the credits like a hawk because I just find it interesting and fun. And I'm like, I, is this like, is this a foreign film? <laughs> fucking strangers. <laughs> the fuck's happening? Because they're not making it. And, and I went through their like. credits. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen any of these movies. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, just remember, I mean, I'm not saying we can't our opinion because we, we can. It's not, we don't like it. No, I understand. And it's a very good point, actually, that I can destroy it based on what my expectations for a movie are, what I like in a movie is. But this movie wasn't made for me, so it's kind of unfair. I I, I understand that point. That's a good point. I do have one element of it, and see if you agree with this. Okay. That I think is beyond a romantic comedy. I think it's something we can really critique here. Yeah. So this movie, 
I found this movie to be somewhat interesting on some of it because I, I just, I, I don't, I just thought it was, I, I didn't mind the story. But man, oh man, it fucking, it's a slog. It is a slog. Because, and I, I was talking with Laura about it and she's like, she's like, oh, I kind of like this, but it's kind of a slog. And she wasn't like, after a while, she's like, I'm kind of bored with this. Yeah. So, and it's because we just see this character doing tasks. Oh, that's right. There's not a lot of character development here. In fact, there's none with certain characters. No. And, um, in fact, the only one that really changes. That's, that was my other question. Yeah. But you just see her do task after task. And after a while, aren't you just like, all right. Yeah, we she, get it. She's like you're going and picking shit up and it it's hard yeah, and you're getting coffee and right. you're fucking that <laughs> up. And yeah. How many times did you get coffee? Like three times at least. I think the over. It might've been over than that. I know Starbucks twice. I saw that in the same, like in the same scene, there was two I mean, Starbucks. it was just like, it was just. It was all the time Errand after errand. Right. Like, I don't know if I really want to watch someone do errands for two hours. <laughs> right, where are my eggs? Where are my, where's my steak? The steak, yes. Yeah, you're right. She must've gone out for food like four times and at least. And she had to go to Calvin Klein to get the skirts and she had to do this and that. And eventually yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I want to see, I'm just kind of, I don't want to see anyone do errands. Yeah, we get that you're doing errands. Yeah. My critique though is I don't think Hathaway actually changed at all. Her her hypothesis in the beginning played out at the end. And and so it's kind of like, why'd you go through the journey in the first place then? That's a great know. question. I do think she changed, but she then just does a 360 at the end. Yeah, that's what I mean. So she changes, but then changes back. So she, right. she, she kind of changes twice, but then like, what did you learn I think it's though? a pretty fair question. Like, what's the point? So, it, so, the movie, so the movie starts with her wanting to be a journalist and ends with her getting a journalism job. Right. But she probably, honestly, could have worked at a cafe for those six months. And made, and maybe more. And probably still gotten the same job. <laughs> no, That's like, the thing. Yeah. Because the, the guy who hires is like, well, why were you, why you have such this blip on your resume? It doesn't look good. Oh, but I, you know, we did get all our recommendation from, from, uh, I keep wanting to call her Anna Wintour, which is the character that Meryl Streep's based off of. It's, uh, and it's, it's uh, Anna she Wintour. is Miranda Priestly, right? Or Presley or Priestly. Um, I might keep calling her Wintour. That's who she's, that's what Miranda. she's doing. Um, but she's like, oh, I got a lot of rec- recommendation from the Meryl Streep character. Yeah. And, and they kind of make it seem like that's how she gets the job. But he would never have asked the question about the six exactly. months in if she hadn't if, been there. If there was no blip, right. I if think it was, she gets that job if she's not a... Probably, because she just would have said, I worked at a cafe for six months until I finally found a, a yeah, journalism job, there, which is what I want to do. I, yeah, I just, right. That would be easy to explain. The other issue is she fucking cheated on her boyfriend and, there's been, and there was no result. There's nothing. Did say they were taking a break. That's still bullshit. A break like 24 hours and you sleep with some fucker. And it was like... It was slimy. It was disgusting. Afterwards, like she felt shitty about it the next day. It was like this gross interaction. Really weird interaction afterwards. And I don't, I mean, I thought it was a slime ball the entire time. Like it was pretty clear that this guy just wanted to get some fucking booty from this bitch. And like, why? so why the whole thing was slimy and just disgusting. So does that make me want to, are you trying to make me feel better about Anne Hathaway in some way? I don't, I think she sucks. Actually. I think she fucking sucks. <laughs> I think she's shallow. And she cheated on her boyfriend. She fucking sucks. It's, it's, it is like halfway. And then, but then she did a, I guess, I think, I, see, I keep going back to like this way. I feel like Mel Gibson, like what women want. I'm not trying to define, but like, I think there's yeah. a, but I think there's a real truth to it though, that they, they wrote this movie to appeal to women. But did Laura, did Laura have any comment on Anne Hathaway? Did she say like, I like, you know, I like I this she character. Huh? She's she like, oh, I'm doing this. She had kind of just bored it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she she liked it. She thinks she was enjoying it more than I was. Yeah. Um, but then she got bored with it and actually ended up shutting. She shut it off and she went to bed. And I <laughs> yeah. watched the rest of it. Sadly, of like one o'clock in the morning, I guess I go. Uh, it, we, yeah, I, I just I I just kept in my mind. I'm kept telling like, right at the end of the movie, she apologizes to the boyfriend, which would be weird in any other movie except for a rom com. Exactly. But like then I'm thinking like, is this what women like want? Like, is this what they want? Like to they can apologize and absolve for their sins. 
I'm not trying to speak for all women. When I, when I say women, I'm just talking about women 20 to 40 that would, that would, this that would, demo that that would, would go to this movie. Yeah, that would like this film. This audience, I should press yeah. instead of women. Is this what this audience wants? Well, the other thing is, like, they didn't get back together either. They left it in the... Like, why wouldn't you even... Right. Why would you even... Well, it's I just think in the, the air. She's free now. I think there's, like... There's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of, like, psychology here that I... I it's, it doesn't make sense. Because then, no. like... Because, uh, well... Why leave it open if she's going to get a job as a journalist in New York? That means she's tied to New York now. Like, why leave that open? Yeah. I mean, maybe she has power now that she doesn't have the boyfriend around. I guess, she's but independent she cheated on him, so fuck that. Like, that's it just... It, I don't like her. So, you, you know, um, like, uh, I guess the Hallmark Channel, they do, like, these Christmas movies, and I'll be on Facebook, and I'll see women. T- or Lifetime. Very excited. Both of them do it, right? Yeah, but I think, like, Hallmark does these, like, certain Christmas movies. And it's basically it's got every, like with with TVs Anne Murray, right? You keep saying Anne Murray, which is a, this is the second time you drop that reference. It's really funny because Anne Murray is like seventy years old. She's the only person so I can think more, of. No, it's like the girl from like Boy Meets World or the girl from the Wonder Years. They do like or Candace Cameron. Whitney? Oh, like Candace Cameron. She's like seventy five too. She's like forty. Anne Murray's like legit like seventy five. Candace Cameron was in her forties during Murphy Brown in the ni- in the nineties. No, that's Candace Bergen. Who's Candace Cameron? That is DJ from Full House. Oh, DJ. Yeah, she's like 40. Everyone I was laughing at you. <laughs> Good. Anyway. Bring some so, levity. But you have like that age group. So it's like yeah. women, like we said, Winnie, Danica McKellar who played Winnie Cooper. Right. You know, Candace Cameron, you know, that or the Daniel Fischel from Boy Meets World. These women now yeah. are doing these. She played Topanga on Boy Meets World. Matt, Matt was confused. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> Topanga. People are, so, people are like, this is why we don't talk about TV on the show. Uh, so um, they they do these like, shows on so hallmark does this thing on christmas okay they do 25 days of christmas Ugh, okay it sounds every lovely. single day is a different romantically themed christmas movie but they're all like the same formula right and women will watch these movies every day like you know when they get excited for like you know how like there's like a shark work shark week sensation sure these i hate all these things by the way yeah i don't but I don't. But women, these women who are drawn to this kind of genre get very excited and they watch these things. Yeah, I can see that. You can see watching this 25 of the same fucking movie over I and over again. No, it's the Fabio book. Yeah, no, it's the same that's shit. That's a great example. Yeah. That's a great, great. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I know that there's an no, audience but for there's it. A huge, right? Especially you. That's a great. I think, I think that audience. Right. So that Fabio romantic novel audience, which was huge when we were kids, right? Totally. In the 80s and 90s. Look at bestsellers. They, they pop up there. It's crazy. Yeah. And. You know, I think there's a real, and we talk about this too with um, boys to men. Boys to men, and so in some songs, women want to be romanced. romanced. Yes, um, and it's just like for us to like talk about it, it's like kind of hard because we're almost like aliens talking because it's just not for us. I think you're right. We have a tough. It is a tough perspective and it's for us because we, we, we don't want anything to do with any of this shit. No, and like watching it's so weird because it's but, like. But I also don't feel like they like. I don't feel like they're acting rationally though. That's the problem. That's the problem. No, I agree. I agree 100%. It's, yeah. It's very, uh, it's very odd. Uh, and it, but it is funny though, how these screenwriters and stuff, they all do these kind of movies though. I guess. And it's like, oh wow. Like this is their, this is like, they're romantic novelists. Yeah. So is that great? It's a great point. They're the, you know, only this is the 2020 version or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, I can't, this would be fun to direct either, but I mean, it made 300 million. This so. was directed badly. Yeah. It was very, um, very by the book. Oh, dude. There was a scenes in New York towards maybe the last two thirds of the film where, where Anne Hathaway is walking in the street. It's night and it was all grainy. Did you see that? Did you ever notice that? It's like this, they cheat. The director changed like film to like make it gritty. 
all mm. of a sudden. It was very weird. It was Hathaway. She's walking down the street in New York. That's when I saw Yeah. The other like, thing is like they're in a restaurant and they're all like, um, and it's almost like that 70s show. And remember they would yes. do like the, the circle when they're all smoking pot. Right. So it's like that, but they're all at dinner. Right. But they do kind of the same thing, but like he is just lazy. Like he'll take it and he'll get like Adrian Grenier who plays her boyfriend. Yeah. And then it slowly shakes to kind of keep it edgy and fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but then it's like, but it's all kept in like it, everyone's centered. Yeah. But it's like, when I go to the next person, it's kind of edgy and fun. It's like trying to get the idea of like you're at a party and you're watching them. It's very POV. But it's also like lazy and hacky. It's been done to death. Right. And it's very, but I think people who are going to be drawn to this kind of movie don't want a, a very risky direction. They don't want risky cinematography. <sighs> they want by the book. They want us, they want a template and they, they, they is uh, comforting. I see that. Why would Meryl Streep do this film though? Because the character's great. Is, is that why? So here's what happened with that. I have an answer to it. Okay. There's also another reason, which I think was going to, I think the cynical Matt will be like, oh, that's why. So they offered this part. Said, here's $2 million. I read this. Story. Come do this movie. And she said, no. <laughs> so they said, here's $4 million. And she said, yes. I know. So I guess, I guess, I guess, the, I, well, mean, I think we know the real She reason. was a comment. She's like, I don't think they were compensating me based on how important I would be to the film. It's kind of how she said and it. And she's but, right. That's what, totally. Because it got an Oscar on for her. I know. Which, I mean, it actually was a weak year I looked. Yeah, it was. Um, so, I mean, she didn't win. It wasn't it, uh, it was Helen Miram who won, wasn't it? I think you're right. Let me I pull think it up. She I, won. I was just looking at it. Someone I, else I won for the queen. Um, you know, it was Helen Mirren for the queen. You're absolutely it was right. Mar- okay, that's it was what it was. best actress. Yeah. Um, which you could say she's a supporting actress. But I, think, I mean, it's sort of equal, I think, between Penelope her and Cruz Hathaway. Revolver, which I have not seen. I haven't seen that either. Judy Dench for Notes and a Scandal. That was, okay, yeah. I've not seen. I haven't seen Kate Winslow for Little Children, which is very good. I haven't seen that either. Um, and then Meryl Streep for Prada. Uh, so yeah, I guess I don't, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, is, it is, it is what it is. I, I, I think she should have been a supporting actress, but you think so? I guess I she, think uh, like Hathaway's those on the screen fun more. villain roles sometimes can, can sneak in and get that. I think they got a little greedy there. I didn't even look at the nominations for, I didn't for but, but you know, maybe, maybe she would have had a, a shot or more of a shot, but besides the money that was, Oh, she liked the character. So maybe she thought to herself, Oh, if I play this right this role right even though I mean she must have known the director of the type of movie well, she that gets people would anyway, so yeah I, mean, I guess you're right. right but I think mean, she was just like I think she wanted four million dollars which that's fine I can understand I think that she would make more maybe maybe not anymore she's, that's not, she's not bankable I guess not Um. so like with this movie like right so like who you know and uh, Meryl Streep has like award clout and stuff like that exactly but Meryl Streep doesn't typically top line movies I can see that and half of the way especially back then could and yeah. did Princess Diaries and then you know, know. um Right, not not for us. Right, but they made money. Yeah, you know, and and she she can she can draw in a box office where Meryl Streep really can on her own. Typically, there are exceptions, but not not typically. Okay, well, I guess that's where we're at with this. I mean, I I mean, I don't know. It's not for us. If if, you know, if your wife loves it, if you listen to it and you love it, and you know, let us know. I guess. Great. I I I think though there is a real the the interesting thing I really was really hung up on was the structure of storytelling is so wildly different in this genre. Mm. And it is interesting. And even the way people speak. I feel, honestly, I feel like the way that you described it though was very specific. It wasn't like what the structure is. Like A is B and then C. Like, I guess I don't see It's the, more nuanced, right? Yeah. So it's, it's right. It's boy meets girl, boy, whatever. This, this really didn't follow that structure. No. Um, but it is that same, because this isn't really, I guess technically this isn't really a romantic it's comedy. It's not really. More of like a workplace no. comedy. Yeah. But, but it does have those same beats, like the helpful friend played by Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um, the, the, the kind of the plot twist at the end, no confrontation. Actually, this Disney turns her into a princess. 
It does a little bit. I guess because she gets a. Oh, she goes from r- fucking rags to like right. to You're Cinderella. Jo- yeah, she's probably making twenty grand a year at a newspaper job in New York, but fine. No, but I, no, I just mean during the film itself, though. Like she was oh, turned she into right, a, but then she turns back and she does a, into a little pumpkin, right? But but it is, but it, the storytelling, though, like I said, with the helpful friend, yeah, no yeah. confrontation, I see that. people being catty to each other, yeah, um, you know, and that's you know what I'm guessing women might, you know, I I brought Laura to see like 1917, and she doesn't have the same connection. To she something. wasn't into it. She liked it, but didn't love it. And mm. I think just like you know, all men in that movie, and not saying you know, but like. I'm guessing men are more drawn. Plus, a lot of it is too. She had never really seen a lot of war movies. Mm. She's like, that's not really something I would typically go out and see. That makes where sense. We've seen war movies the whole time, so we're kind of used to a certain. So when they're doing flips on the narrative and they're doing some interesting choices with the with the storytelling, yeah. it's really exciting when you're watching a war movie. Like Saving Private Ryan, like it starts with D Day. It's like, oh. what the fuck is this crazy? Right. Where if you've never seen a war movie, before, you're like, oh, okay, okay why is, you know, why is that interesting or exciting? Yeah. So you know. Oh, it is tough to critique, but it is our job here to critique it, I guess. So I, it give, it a, I give it a C plus. It's a very mild C plus. I would not recommend this. Yeah, it's a D plus for me. That's I don't think fine. it's very good. I, I, uh, I understand your point with uh, Meryl Streep. I understand the perspective, but I just, you know, for and my I, own taste, I can't. Like, I I'll never see this I agree with you on the storytelling. Um, like, uh, they're not holes, but just like the wrong left turns. Yeah, it was, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Before we oh, do anything, can we do a, we have a weather report? You want to do that before the, okay. Yeah, I sure. do. Cause I don't want to forget. No, that's fine. Um, this is from our friend milk. Dali. Milk. Milk. Dali, of course, tells the, the weather in the past, which is helpful. <laughs> uh, so the remains to hurry. This is what I'm sorry. This is June of 2006. The last, remain, week the, the last week of June. Yep. So the very end of June, is that right? Very end, yeah, because it's j- to July 1st. Yeah, right, that's right, 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 okay. The remains to Hurricane Agnes. So A for Agnes, so this is the first hurricane of the year. Lovely. Year. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of a hurricane nerd. That, no, that's it, that we is interesting. We might get into that. I have yeah. some hurricane stories. Yeah, okay. Well, not, not today, but sure. uh, if we hit those weeks. I remember Gloria. Bob. Well, now we're talking. Safe. I was on a mountain for Gloria. See, I had gory. So, so oh, if yeah, you ever hit that, we can find We're going to do that. Um, the remains of Hurricane Agnes drenched the mid Atlantic states with rain this week. Georgetown, Delaware saw seven and a half inches of rain in one day. Whoa. Holy shit. Milk Dudley coming in strong. That's, that's, a, that's a haymaker. Uh, and oh, it gets better. Washington, D.C. set records for rainfall during a 24 hour period 7.9 inches, a two day period, 9.4. And seven consecutive days of rain totaling 11 inches. Wow. 11, 11 and a half inches. That would be, that's like a that's giant a lot. cock that is of a, rain. That is, yeah. It's like a huge cock that's of rain. Like, yeah, totally, yeah. It's like boogie nights. It is. It's like this. It's like <laughs> the Dirk Diggler of rainstorms. Um, the weather was so depressing. Suck it to me. This is, this is his joke here. Yep. The weather was so depressing, people were willing to pay money to watch The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, that's pretty funny. Cold milk. I, I don't want to say, I know you've been cold on milk. You've been sour on milk, if you will. <laughs> but you, I think you came around on milk right there. I call him 1%, but today, today he was whole. Oh! oh how about that? We're, we're making, look at what we're doing in this show, right? Perfect. Uh, okay, good. Okay. okay. Good tune. Best song we've covered. Holy shit. Yep. 
That is a haymaker. How about that? We were talking about 11 and a half. That's 11 and a half inches of, uh, of thumbs up. That's right. Wow. Best song, huh? Best song I've covered, yeah. This hey. is a really good one. I do like it. I don't think it'll crack my top five. Oh, no. But I think it's really good. All right. Yeah, this is, this is a good one. Um, okay, so this is Gnarls Barkley. Of course, that song is crazy. And it was the number two song this week. Oh, really? Yeah, it never hit number so one. So you did no cheats this week then for you, huh? Uh, you did the number one and number two song? I think that's what it was. Wow, yeah. good for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it never, it never crested one. It was all over the place. We heard this all over the place. Because, you know what? It's such a crossover hit. Like, it could hit the alternative. Dude, it, it hit could, it everywhere. It could everything. I had the CD listen to it a ton. The CD is actually pretty... I never listened to it. Uh, this is definitely... Elsewhere. Yeah, it's definitely a one-hit wonder. It is not in my mind, but it is in it real is. life. Yes, totally. Like the whole album was was really the how around album sales was based on this the sales of the song. The song sold like six million copies. Yeah, the album sold like a couple million or something. But um, but I I did listen to some of the album today, and actually there's some good shit on there. It's really good. I like the album a lot. And part of it is because so the, the Niles Barkley is two people: Danger Mouse, which we're going to get into, and CeeLo Green. And CeeLo Green, he is a fantastic singer. He is a phenomenal singer. He's really, got like... Really talented, yeah. He's got like... He's sort of the... I mean, you heard it, but he's sort of got like a Muppet voice. Like sort of an Al Green Muppet voice, but so much soul. Yeah. He's got awesome control over it. I love it. I love his tone. I think he's fantastic. I, I think at times it's... it's Sounds like too odd. Well, it's odd. He has he has a very unique timbre, very Al Greeny to me. But it's but, interesting. I, I like Muppety. him a lot. I like him a lot. Yeah, almost like oh, who's the fabric of our uh, Neville? Like Aaron Neville ish too. Like the fabric of our, I can't quite do it, but he's got almost like he's got like a sort of a ball, a ball in his mouth. But it's that kind of Muppet thing. But it's it's uh, it's unique and really cool. Um, this won a Grammy. For best urban alternative performance, I never heard of that. Yeah. Fucking great. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think what we call that today, probably. But <laughs> but, uh, but what you you don't think what? I don't think they dropped the word urban in there. I think that, that oh is that what it was? No, but that's it, what it was then. I said I don't think what we call that today. Maybe I mean, not. Well, I mean, in twenty twenty, I think they I actually think they have tried to drop the the urban. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I just figured it was this crossover like alternative and urban together. Yeah, I think basically trying to say black alternative. Or oh, something. is that trying, one? I I think. I mean, I'm trying to. But yeah. It's been. I know Grammys have have trying to stay away from that. Now, yeah. But back then, that's what they called it. Right. And it hit number one in a bunch of different countries. Uh, top number, I think it was number five in like 25 countries. It was like, it was, it was huge. Um, and yeah, St. Elsewhere. You still hear it today. Like, you, told, you know, you like do. in supermarkets and stuff like that or whatever, you know, or anywhere. Cause it, it has such crossover appeal. You really could hear it anywhere. So it's kind of like the perfect background music. It's kind of the anti adult contemporary where adult contemporary is like the, you know, the milk toast or the wonder bread version of any type of genre. This is like the coolest version of the genre. Thus, it has appeal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's sort of the opposite of that. Um, when it was released, it, so you see it was re- like uh, a record, a, uh, a radio station had this like before it, before they, they, they um, before it went live for sale in 2005. Right. Which got them like sort of a lot of kind of cult yes. following. Which which, then, and it's their first song, right? Yeah, it is. They've yeah. only, only done the two albums, so. Yeah, um, they're thinking they're working on a third. I just saw. Yeah, they've been working there for a long time, I don't know, probably over a decade. Yeah, I also saw that Rolling Stone named it number one, the best song of the decade of uh, two thousand to two thousand ten. Yeah, I actually don't totally hate that. I don't either. There's not like it's hard to find. It just it doesn't. It I don't I don't know anybody who wouldn't like this song. It's not my favorite song of the decade. No. per say, but 
I think it also is really emblematic of the decade. Like it sounds like the decade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's a creature of its time. It's, it's, and obviously it's quite good. It is good. So this is very reminiscent. Okay. So did you look at the construction of the song at all? I thought it was kind of cool. I, I, I have a hard time understanding that. I mean, honestly, I'm guessing most of my listeners do too. So feel uh, free to educate. Well, um, Spaghetti Western was their theme. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was based on, and you'll hear definitely some of the crossover here. Same chord structure. Doom, doom, what is this boom, from? Boom, 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 boom. The bass is different than that guitar pluck, but it's very similar. What movie is this from? That is from um, the pre-Django. Uh, a Django prepare a coffin. It's the prequel. So that that is a it's a spaghetti western. It's a I don't know if it's an Italian um, brothers who wrote the song. It's called uh, like Reverberi Brothers. Okay, is the name of it. But it has a lot of those elements. So um, that's sounds, one of the reasons why. Sound, I like. Yeah, it sounds very Tarantino Django, but because he's he was because he was cribbing that style for Django Unchained. Yes. And then, so it's got two His parts version of it, at least. Right. Yeah. So it's got two parts. It's got that. And then the other part of it, that's not it, but we'll get to that. I'm sorry. It's grabbing the wrong thing. I'll so I'll get excited about that too. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Um, I, so I was in a bike accident with you. So like I'm, I am, I have a, like my right wrist is broken. So I'm completely, I've been using a mouse with my left hand for the last week. So I'm all discombobulated. That's on the DL right now. I'm on the DL. It doesn't matter. There's another sample. I can't find it right now, but there's another sample from Garnet Mims. It's basically those two samples put together and CeeLo Green. And apparently, like thematically, they were they got together and they're uh, uh, Danger Mouse and CeeLo Green. And they're like, oh, what are we going to write the song about? And he's like, hmm, let's talk about how you have to be kind of a crazy motherfucker in order to get famous in this business. And so that's where the lyrics came from. Um, so we talked about CeeLo Green. His other big hit was, of course, this, which I don't like anywhere near as much. Fuck you, yeah, this is like this seems so novelty to me. I don't like it's like just, it's just dumb. ooh. Oh, it's so cool because he said the f yeah, word. Yeah, that doesn't do it for me. That doesn't either. It just seems so easy, like with this pop little thing. So I don't like that very much. But he would. Did you know his earlier stuff? Did you know like the Goody Mob or anything I that did. he did? The earlier? first time I really heard him uh, was I was familiar with Danger Mouse before this. Oh, but the yeah. first time I really heard CeeLo Green was um, was the song. I think so because Fuck You came out after that, right? Fuck You came after. I think it was yeah late. So this is the first time I really heard Sue Green was was, was Nas Barkley. Me too. And then he was on The Voice for like four years too. That's right. Yeah, I don't like like we also we don't really watch those kind of shows. No, but we I, don't. They, you see him in commercials. I forgot. I should forget about that entirely. Yeah. The cool thing is, I think he's had a pretty good career. So he's. I think he's supremely talented. Yeah. But he's never. He's won five Grammys. Mm. He's been on a bunch of different songs and collaborations with people. Okay. He was on like the Santana Supernova one yeah, yeah, with some yeah, other yeah. people, Lauren Hill and some other stuff. He's worked with a bunch of people, so I think he's had like a nice career. And so I kind, you know, I, I think he's done pretty well. Sort of like, you know, behind the scenes, I would say. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, if you if you, he's kind of guy who think about it, you're like, oh, this guy didn't uh, hit his potential. But if you, you know, if you think about it, though, uh, he has been around a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff. If you kind of actually do the math and look at it, you're like, oh, He's maybe, maybe he actually has yeah. had an okay career. Danger Mouse, though. Here we go. You know Danger Mouse. Yeah. Do you know it because of the Grey album? Yeah. That's exactly why I know it. So I am not a, uh, for the listeners out there, um, the Grey album is a mashup between the Beatles' White album and Jay-Z's Black album. And I'm not a Jay-Z fan at all. Don't like him. I know you like him. I like him a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's, this is not my, not my style. I don't like his flow, but I love 
The gray album. It's literally a CD in my car. So I only have one CD in my car typically because I typically listen to podcasts yep. and listen to music on streaming. Yeah. But I always have a CD in case like my phone dies, something like that. That's a good And idea. my CD is the gray album. I've listened to the shit out of this. It is. Uh, so I listened to it since it, when it came out in 2001, two, no, the three or no, four. Uh, yes. I was living in, uh, yeah, it was after college. Yeah. Um, I think this is a masterful uh, oh. production level. So if you don't, so a mashup is when you take, you get kind of the concept of those, those two albums put together. So what Danger Mouse literally did is he took elements of the Beatles music and turned them into samples and, you know, put beats under it. Uh, actually used the samples from, uh, he didn't put any beats on it. He used all the samples, right. only the samples from the white album to meticulously craft these songs under Jay-Z. Now the hard part is, so Jay-Z released his naked vocals which is helpful. Yes. So like, no, there's no instrumentation. Right. That, that's hard to get. Like if you listen to Jay-Z on a CD, you're hearing, you know, the entire mix, everything. It's hard. You can't just take any instrument out of there. Okay. Like you can't extract that from your CD. You, you can't do it. You have to get the raw tracks. And so he made those available because he wanted people, he wanted people to be able to remix it and do creative things with it, which I think is awesome for a musician to do. That's, that's an amazing thing. Like I'd love to have access to, um, Radiohead's fucking, uh, individual tracks sure. so that I could fuck with it. I've done rap albums in the past where I've taken my own music and remixed it and put my rap vocals over because I have access to all. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to extrapolate, but you can't normally do that because you don't have the individual tracks of these musicians. So how did he do it with the white album? Because he didn't have the individual tracks for the white album either. And this is where the fucking masterful genius level work came in. The, um, Typically, the I think this is how he did it. I didn't look. I, this, typically, what happened with the um, the Beatles is they they did, they had very limited recording capabilities back then, and they they did a lot with it. Like their albums are awesome, and that's part of their genius is how much they could do with very limited tracks. Right. Um. So they would a lot of times mix things to one side or the other. Right. So you could some like on some of their songs you hear you listen and the drums are on the left hand side or the right hand side. And you'll hear the vocals on the right-hand side. That, like, they would do that a lot. So what Danger Mouse did was he would play with the sides. He would say, okay, I'm going to take this side here because this is this is where the guitar is. And yes, there might be some bass bleed in there or whatever, but I'm going to use this section on the left-hand side. You could extract it that way because you could just pan the channel all the way left or all the way right, and you would only hear that side, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then he would, he just, he went through and he, like, he picked the little elements of each and was like, oh, I'm going to take this here and I'm going to like cut it up so that it makes this rhythm um, so that's barely discernible from, you know, what it originally was and stick Jay-Z above it. And my favorite is, is that one. Is it, that's Julia. Crazy. That's crazy. So you hear, you hear the guitar, right? And then you hear their voice, ah, uh, ah, uh, just those cuts. Oh, that, that's like, that is masterful. That is like meticulous genius level masterful to do shit like that. It's crazy to me. I have a friend of mine is a DJ in Washington, DC, and he got a cut of this, like when it came out, like in 03. And he, oh. he sent me the, I remember I had it, I had it like, cause you know, it was 2003 internet. So like it took, it took, he sent me an email. The email took like, you know, eight hours to open because it's the whole album. Yeah. And uh, I listened to that like nonstop. And then I ended up having a buddy make a burn a CD for me to have it. And um, I've gone through like three CDs. I just love this album so much. I love it. 
I um I can't remember. I encountered it. I think it was in Oakland when I encountered it, and I was working out and uh it to this like all the time. Yeah, I would be on a treadmill and like listening to this fucking album. I fucking loved it so much. The other one that you know most people would identify, I think, Helter Skelter. This is the. Uh, it's good. So the cool thing you hear the helter skelter guitar, that that line down, and you also hear the like their their yeah. big like vocal shrieks and shit. It's so cool how he just puts it together, and it's not just. You know, people would think like, oh, he's just playing it exactly like it was. No, no, he's not. He is taking little elements and cutting them up and meticulously moving them to create rhythms out of it. And it's just, it's, I love it. I love it so much. Um, he got in trouble though, because he he just, he wanted, it was an art project for him and he released it. He just like gave it to some people and it got out, got huge, like underground got huge. People were like, holy shit, this is amazing. Right. And then um, I think he got, he got permission. Oh, well, Jay-Z didn't need to get permission from because Jay-Z released the vocal tracks to anybody. So there was a, there was whatever fair use license or I'm not sure which license, but he could do that. And he got permission from the, the Beatles who were alive. Uh, so that was Paul McCartney and I think Ringo. Um, but EMI, yeah, the record company was like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to pull these off the shelf. He's like, well, it's not on a shelf. So what are you right. going to do? It's out there. It's out there now. Which makes me wonder if we can play it. Yeah, or it'll be fine. They'll pull this off the shelf. Fuck it. Um, that's it. Jay Z loved it too. Jay Z's like, this is, this is fucking creative genius. This yeah. is amazing. This is exactly why I put my vocals out there so people would do cool stuff like this. Thank you, Jay Z. Maybe I'll listen to an album. Um, so that's it. So that's like, uh, so uh, Norris Barkley, Danger Mouse, CeeLo Green, doing cool stuff. Yeah, great song. Anything else? Sit there. Okay. Uh, then you. You gonna tell us a little story? Yeah, I just kind of remember where I was at the time. So um, we mentioned this before, I think, uh, but 2006, I was kind of running a baseball team, uh, yeah, a college wooden bat team in Glens oh. Falls, New York. Right. Um, the Glens Falls Golden Eagles. So um, what happened was uh, the se- it's short season, so that means they play basically from mm, like June to uh, like mid June to. Mid mid August because the it, kids have to go back to college. Is it like sixty games or something? When I didn't take the under, I did forty five. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it was cool because Glens Falls. So this is Glens Falls, is a town north of Albany, the very 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 basically bottom of the of the um, uh, what's that? My God, like uh, the mountain region there. But uh, oh, is it the Adirondacks? Thank you. Yeah, um, and Glens Falls was this really interesting town. Um, they had a minor league hockey team there. It was very similar to what happened in New Hampshire where you had an, an AHL team yeah. that became an ECL, ECHL team and everyone kind of abandoned them. Is that what happened to the Monarchs? Yeah. They were, did like they lose their affiliation? Is that what happened? Yeah, to they it? got demoted down. Because it was the Kings. Right. And the Kings made them because the Kings wanted someone closer by. That makes sense. It's cross country. Right. So they became an ECHL team. But when that happens, the quality of play really drops off the table and people stop going to the games. Yeah. Plus, and obviously, it kind of worn off. Same thing happened to this, t- this town, Glens Falls. So when I went there, the team actually had just left. They had had a horrible ECHL a couple of seasons. Yeah. Fans abandoned them, and the team left. So this was a town in kind of sports turmoil when I got there. 
Um, we had the Glens Falls Golden Eagles, but they weren't drawing anywhere near what the hockey team was. I mean, this sure. is one's college wooden bat. When I mean bat, college wooden bat, it's at the Cape Cod League. Yeah. So you have basically guys that um, when you play college, you're using aluminum bats. Sure. So this allows you, scouts to see you using wooden bats. But this was a this was the NYCBL, I believe it was, and this was very this was not Cape Cod quality. Like the NYCBL at that point, I don't believe that anyone ever make the majors. They had a few guys make double A. Yeah. And if you and like a, a good amount of guys That's make single good. A. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but you're not seeing, you know, you're seeing guys that are gonna peak out at double A. Right. So this is not a great, you know, and you see a lot of guys that never play any of affiliated ball. Sure. Like you know, they're they, when they're just like anyone else, when their senior year is over, they take off uniform and they're done. So, you know, the quality of play was very, very weak. But for these smaller towns, upstate New York, it's not a lot to do. Um, and Golden Eagles actually had been around for a few years before I got there. My friend's um, father bought the team. He actually bought two teams. He bought this and a town, a, a, a team called the Little Falls Diamond Miners. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So there were two. There's no diamond mines up there. I don't know. Never, I never went to that town, thankfully. <laughs> uh, so there were two towns uh, and two teams. But I, so I went there under the assumption I was going to run the Golden Eagles. Yeah. Me and uh, my friend who was going to kind of like kind of be the president of both teams. I was going to kind of be the GM. Okay. Get there. And does that mean you can make trades? No, it's not <laughs> like that. Uh, you basically get the roster that you're assigned. NYCBL gets all the players that would want to play college ball and just, I think just assigns them. I see. Based on host families, things like that. Right. For them to stay. I uh, know. So my job would be kind of like get people to the ballpark, work with the concessions, work with the cleaning crew, work with, you know, sell advertising. So the operations of the... Everything, I right. See. And okay. I was like, oh, I'm really excited to have this challenge. Like, I'll go there year round. Like, this would be really exciting. I was yeah. really, really excited. I get there and there's basically already kind of like a GM in place. I remember you had an altercation with this, the old guy. Yeah, Terry. Terry. And um, <laughs> Terry, not a terrible... Did he shit his pants too? No, he did not. <laughs> uh, not a terrible guy. We had kind of had the story, right? Where yeah, I, yeah, you talked, talked about, about him. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, I, you know, the year went on, it got harder and harder. And then I'll tell the back end of the story because I think I've already told the front end of it. Yeah. Um, the money kind of like dries up. Because ticket sales go away? No, ticket sales are still there. I think I talked about how like we had some really good promotions and mm. people were starting to come out to the ballpark. Right. Um, Terry kind of still wanted power. And then my friend's father is like, yeah, so we're going to stop paying you as of next week. What? And I'm like, what, what? it's like with like a week left in the season. So basically once the season's over, I'm not going to pay you anymore. Uh, and I was just like, well, that's not what I, I moved here from New Hampshire. Um, what, what are we doing here? Like I thought yeah. I was told, I signed a 12 month lease. I was told that I would have a job here. Like, we had a better year box office than we anticipated. Ends up the guy just never had any money. And I was talking to people and he had screwed over so many business owners just in a short time. Your, been there. your buddy's My dad? Own, yes. Ooh. Yes. So I was completely like left in the lurch here. Like what the fuck do I do? Right. And he's trying to sell the team because he realizes he can't pay bills and the kind of the jig is up, if you will. I don't know if he thought he had good, like the guy wasn't a bad person per se. I guess, but I don't know if he thought he was going to get more money. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. He must have seen the profit and loss from the, you know, I know. the ball club. The day, the I mean, he claimed, if I remember correctly, he claimed that maybe some of those numbers weren't exactly right, but the guy who owned the team before had it for years. So he was kind of like, kind of hurt the team and immediately falling into such disregard within business owners of the community. Yeah. So one of the host family's parents was just a super fan of the team. And he was a regular guy, a regular job, but he had enough where he could buy this team. The teams were relatively inexpensive. Like, what are we talking? Like a couple hundred thousand? I'll take the under. 
I don't know exactly. Less I than that. Yeah. Because are you renting the, you don't buy the field. You're not buying the field. Oh, you're okay. renting the field from the city. So nothing was like also, does that mean you're assuming debt too? Yeah. You know, because I guess the other thing too was like he wasn't paying the city Ugh. for the for the use of the field. and Oh, it was awful. And um, So, okay, you're not paying the players very much. You're not paying the players anything. You're amateurs, the college players. You don't okay. Pay you're paying the coaching staff. Um, All right. So there's and you're not- paying the concessions. And you're paying the town. You but know, the concession, paying, you would think you're making, you better make money off, off this. You think so, like, but you also have to pay them. Be. You know, like sure, you are. Pay, you're still bills. You're paying the bus to travel. You're paying the hotels if you use those. So like, there are yeah, a lot yeah, of I different things being used. So I you have, it. you know, you can't not pay your bills. Right. And um, so this host family guy, his name is Darren. He was a very nice. Guy. He's like, I want you to stick around. We kind of worked out a deal where I, you know, I, I didn't have many bills. I could work really yeah. cheap. Like I'll work for X. Just. I just want to do this. You know, I'm really excited about the opportunity. He's like, but I want you to get rid of Terry. And he said, that's not a problem. He said, I want you on the team. He's like, but I just need you to kind of hold out. At that point, I remember, I remember being, so I went to my apartment and I actually had a decent place. It was fine. It was in the middle, middle of downtown. It was, well, it must've been kind of cheap rent. It was super cheap uh, rent. Right there. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you're upstate New York, you know, and it was just, it's, I had like kind of a cool, cool place. Uh, but I was lonely. I didn't make a lot of friends out there. I still had a girlfriend in Hampshire. So I had mm. that kind of bring me back. And I was making baked chicken, and I ate the chicken. I made it like in a glass, like Pyrex pan. Yeah. I ate the chicken, and uh, as I'm eating the chicken, I hear boom, and it was um the glass uh, pan had exploded. Whoa! I put it on the burner. I also was making rice, and I put it on a hot burner, and I didn't like I made rice, and I just took the pot of rice off, and I put the glass bottle. But it was just in the it was just in the oven though. Yeah, I. Don't know why it exploded. But I don't it know did. either. But the thing, expl- you're lucky you didn't get shrapnel. I think because maybe flame on it causes a difference. I, mean, I don't know, dude. This thing exploded. Damn, exploded. You didn't. You didn't take any. Uh, take any glass shrapnel. Maybe because it was cold. And I put on. I don't know why it did. But it, oh, but it, it was it, just in the oven. It wouldn't have been cold. It wouldn't have been cold. I took out the oven. I ate the chicken. I put it in the burner. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe on the burner that long. I don't know. Don't put a glass thing on a burner. Well, no, it's a piece of now. shit, Pyrex. You I got, guess it was a good, uh, maybe it was a good, it was a, it was, I don't know. It, it, dude, dude, it ex, it, there were shards of glass everywhere. It completely Fuck. exploded. You're lucky you didn't take something in the eye. I guess I'm a back to it, but yeah. I guess something could have got me. I mean, whatever, but could, I mean, if it could have happened when I was making the rice, I guess, but I had been That's sitting true. here for like, you know, I finished my dinner. I was sitting on the couch watching baseball. Like I had been sitting for like an hour. I, mean, I had been sitting here for like an hour and it finished, but okay. I was completely taken off guard. It really shocked the hell out of me. I'm sure and that very next day I washed my cell phone and my pants. <laughs> I was so distracted and I was just like, so like, and I'm like, you know what? I'm over this. I'm not going to wait around for this guy to potentially give me this job. You weren't into the upstate New York experience anymore. I was just like, man, this sucks. Like I want this job. I don't, but I'm like, maybe it's time to stop making, you know, 25,000 a year. Yeah. Maybe it's time to go be a grown up. And, um, I remember I made like that next day I went and I made like a bunch of calls to places in New Hampshire. I call my parents I'm like, Hey, and like, come back whenever you want. It's fine. Yeah. Just come, come move here. So you get, you know, get back on your feet. I'm like, all right, cool. And I, uh, I ended up like scheduling like, I don't know, six or seven interviews that that Monday I'd be back. And, um, at oh, that point I went on a bunch of interviews and I got the PC connection job out of that. Uh, but, uh, I left with them owing me like a couple of thousand dollars and it kind of hurt my friendship, my friend. And it, it, I never, but before, your friend, your friend's dad fucked you over. He did. Yeah. He, so uh, he really know. did. Yeah. And my friend feels guilty about it, you know, I think, but like, have you patched it up? Yeah, we, we, we yeah, we have, it's been a long time. Um, I, I still, there's a bit of me, I still feel it kind of feels burnt. 
I get um, that. I've never been screwed over in business. I've never worked for myself, so I never really had to deal with, you know, I never had to have people paint. You know, I always get paid by my boss. And sure. I've, I've been lucky enough to work for pretty good companies, but um, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done with sports. Ooh. I, I was kind of on the way out anyway. I'm like, I think I'm good. But I just like, I want to have a, I want to have like a nice, like life. I want to have a house. I want to have, I want to have things, you know. I don't so you were thinking that sometime you want to have be, like a 401k. You wanted a GM, like a major league team at some point. Like that would have been uh, a dream. I, I guess a dream, but it's not realistic. I wanted huh. to work in a front office. I think it would be really cool to like work in a front office for a major league team that maybe wins a world series. You get a ring. That'd be kind of cool. That like, would be cool. I guess that kind of thing. Like, yeah, I guess I never really had like, I mean, yeah, if you, if I have an ultimate dream then yeah, it would be awesome to be the Epstein. Sure. But, like I didn't go to Yale. Like that's not realistic. So like, it's like, but no, it would have really cool to like, Maybe be in a stats department or maybe be in a whatever, a different right. department. Um, you know, you work your way up, like, you know, start with a single A team, work your way up until, you know, you're with the major team. It's not that crazy. But as I worked in sports, so even that short window, it started going more to that money ball era. And those Yale guys were taking over other guys like, oh, I, I'm not really qualified for this this sport, this endeavor anymore. No, I mean, by then, of course, it was uh, 2003, 2002. Is when right. that, that all and when I first started, got so. into sports management and that wanted to be a field was 99. So that, that hadn't really taken place. So just in that small window, the whole, the whole, whole thing industry changed. shifted. And also like, it just wasn't realistic anymore. It's like, all right, well, what do I want to do here? I don't know. So I then left, you had all the ties back home. Of course you weren't going to stay my there. girlfriend. I was going right. Home. Every time we had a weekend where I was on the road, like the team was on the road. Yeah. I go home. And she talked about maybe moving up there. And you know, she kind of made like a half hard effort and I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm all alone. I don't even really have a job anymore. I have a job promised me, but what does that mean? Yeah, you don't really know anybody. You're not making a lot of money. So what the fuck? I went and interviewed for a job at that civic center where um, that hockey team had taken place. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I go work there. They might get another team one day or whatever. It'd be kind yeah, of but fun. then are you going to make your life there? I mean, I don't know. I, I was like, I don't know. Uh, but I went there and it was so disappointing. I went there and all she wanted was dirt on what was going on with the owner. Oh. It was really shitty. And I was like, that, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah. I'm a young guy. I guess I'm, you know, 25, 26. It's like, you know, like I went in there, like, you know, put my suit on. I mean, I went in and all she wanted was just like the gossip. Fuck that. And like, I would never get a call back or anything. It just kind of sucks. So I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done. So anytime I drive by Glens Falls now, I, if I, every time I do, but like if you go to, <laughs> if I go to Cooperstown, I think I pass by it. Yeah. I think I passed by it twice since then. And I was like, ah, oh, I kind of have like, I have memories there. And they're not bad memories, but they're also kind of like, I don't know. Like, Seems like I, a tread water I situation. going there. It was. I remember going there thinking I was going to have this great situation. Sure. I get there. It's already a GM there. So I'm like, I'm in this power struggle for the whole summer. We have success. And then it ends up, you know, the whole town like hates this team that I'm kind of associated with because of the ownership. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm, I remember being in this like for a week long holding pattern, hoping that this new owner buys a team. And I'm like, I have all my hopes tied into this. I remember just being like, kind of stressed out well, the whole summer and that's lonely. The thing, most of that is beyond your control. That's the, that's the thing. Like yeah. your control was I can get a job and like I get a job in New Hampshire. I can make my life there. Like you had way more control of that. You had no control. I guess that's were. part of it too. And like, but I remember that Pyrex pan blowing up and me washing my phone, my flip phone in my pants. And I remember being like, Jesus Christ. Like, what am I? What's too, too much of a struggle. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, and you know, you're, you know, I remember those last couple of weeks. I'm just hoping, cause I could kind of read the right wall. I'm, like, sure. I'm hoping I just fucking get paid this week. I got paid. And he's like, well, this, this, you know, here's the last of it. And I was like, Ugh. I was fucking my heart sank. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, at least I, at least, at least I saw the bullet that hit me in the face as opposed to going there and having your hand out and expect, you know, like, at least, right. I, at least I got some notice, I guess. Oh, I sucked. I know. I guess I look back and now I'm kind of bummed out. I mean, I'm happy how my life turned out, but, uh, of course. 
But in that moment, I wasn't sad leaving, but I was sad that it didn't work out. Does that make any sense? Absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I would feel like, yeah. But a lot of it had nothing to do with you, which sucks too. It didn't, and I felt like I did, and then we had success. I remember the owner and his wife were at a couple of the games. He said, Chris, I can't believe what a great job you're doing. Like, you know, I can't believe, I'm like, well, you know, a lot of it is we have great deals of some sponsors, and we, we, got, sure. we got lucky with some promotions. Yeah. It wasn't just me being this miracle worker, was it? Not at all. But I felt like I did a pretty good job there. And I'm like, oh, wow, all the years I've been working to this, the monkey boy stuff, national yeah. pride stuff, are finally like paying off. I have experience. I'm like, call, like, I feel like, oh, I'm good at this. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how good you are. And I also mm. look around to my baseball, like, it doesn't really, you know, your, your ownership dictates everything. It does. You know, especially my baseball, you're, you're losing money anyway. And it just like, people get fussed. Like, you know what? Do I want to live this the rest of my life? Nah. Like, I just want to have a regular job. And the thing is, you wouldn't be able to choose where you lived, really. No, like, you no. have to go wherever the job is. Yes. And like, that kind of sucks, too. And you're hoping it's good ownership. And what if your good owner sells to a bad owner? Exactly. And now you're right back. I'm like, you know what, man? Even at the top level, they're not there very long. Like, it's very few. You know, you got Billy Bean, who's been there for 25 years or whatever. But right. very few people in those front office positions are going to stay there in the organization forever. Yeah, I guess that's so, true. I wasn't really, I didn't have a mindset on, like, the major league No, I know, stuff, but though. I think it's even worse than the minor leagues, where, it, it, you know, it is, so it way is, more turnover. Yeah, you have some turnover there for sure. You know, you have, like, or GM could come over in the major leagues and be like, I want to have exactly. my, my whole staff and the whole affiliate. Right. That can happen. Yeah. So, you know, it, but I mean, that, that part I was kind of willing to go with. I just wanted just, I don't know, I guess, well, you're right, some freedom and some authority and some just, I, I, I do want to, I felt so unsettled. I wanted to get that. Yeah. I was so stressed out at the end, man. That, yeah. That July was pretty fun. I know we're talking like whatever, um, that June, that week. So this week in particular was, was kind of fun. Yeah. But man, that August was fucking brutal. Dude, I go to movies by myself. I saw the breakup by myself. Uh, and I was just like, I'm going to this like shitty mall and I'm like, I'm alone all the time. I go to bars, but like I was dating someone that wasn't really looking, you know. Yeah, like, you weren't gonna like And then like all the players are all like in college, you're not gonna hang out with plus they don't, I don't hang out with it's weird. Right. And then like my the GM of having a power struggle was like sixty five and he hates me anyway. I hate him. I'm like this kinda sucks. And your buddy was at a different ballpark. He was at a different Yeah, team. He's kind of, and then he ended up moving to Florida too. Oh, right. And so I had the owner the dad who eventually like Screw I could tell it was like so. screw over the town. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is just a disaster. Yeah, fuck that place. I yeah. fucking hate that place. You know, like, yeah, Glens Falls. Yeah. Actually, in fairness, people in town were really nice to me. Were they? Yeah. I'm sure they were nice to me. I don't blame the town at all. I no. blame the predicament. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Well, um, anything else about that uh that time? Any period? Headline or headlines a week this I got headlines. Do you? Well, it's a headlines of love and loss, my friend. Oh, good. Uh Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban tied the knot. They still they're still together, right? Um, I think so. There's like drug abuse issues there, isn't right with him? Oh yeah, they're all they're That's all weird. weird. They're all weird. I was a big Nicole Kidman person. Were you with, with Tom day. Cruise era? I she's just so I thought she was so beautiful. Really, it never did it for me. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and Patricia Arquette and Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane is like a doppelganger guy for me. He could be like a every like him and Aaron Eckhart are the same guy. I I, I can uh, yeah. I, I was like fuck them up, but anyway, they got married and then Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey. Lachey, 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 divorced. Yeah, that was pretty. I, I watched I, a girl who was in at time was really into that show. Did they, they have were, a show? Oh my God. She was so young. She was 25 then. So Did they, they have got show? married you when she was 22. So she had a show and they, they had a show when she was like a child. No, it was a couple years. 22. It was a show. Yeah. Like you never saw, how do you not you see the show? How do you not know? Why do this? I, I don't pay attention to this. Bullshit. I know, but it was like, it was everywhere. It was like that whole thing. It was like, uh, She's like, why do they call it chicken from the sea? It's tuna. Like, she didn't know why they called it. She's like, it's I don't, tuna, uh, it's not chicken. No, I don't know. Uh, it was like, it was like a po- very popular thing. 
Was Boy, it? Well, yeah, you're you're kind of like an alien today. You didn't know. Uh, you don't know who Daniel Fischel is. No. You don't know about Jessica Simpson, Nick Lachey. So no, I don't remember. I mean, drop maybe. it in. Are you are you like eighty years old? What I'd like to say is that I remember things that actually matter, no, and then everything else I, I let it's it go. It's zeitgeist away. stuff, man. Like it's just like it's just out. It's not just, this wasn't really in my zeitgeist though. This wasn't was like in, in the, my what, sphere. It, Who was watching this shit? Is Matt an alien? Paul. That is. <laughs> we should put that out there. Um, and then a flag desecration amendment failed in the Senate by one vote. One vote. What, what do you feel about that? Oh, I've, I've, I think that's free speech. There's no question that's free speech. It's a piece of cloth with ink. It's like, do whatever you want to it. It's free speech. Yeah, I kind of kind of see both sides. I don't see any. There's no other side. I'm not a big like symbol. Like, I don't like to elevate. Yeah. I'm not a authoritarian. I don't like to, you know, bow to some sort of symbol. That's ridiculous to me. That's like anti enlightenment bullshit. What 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 side is there? I know. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna be straight up, straight up real here. So You're I, a free speech guy, too. I am big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, when I see a flag get burned, mm. I do get a little upset. Do you really? I do. I don't like it. It makes me. It's. I. I always use the equivalent of like if, if someone's spitting in a church. I'm not religious. I'm more patriotic than I'm religious, and I still don't like it. I just. It, it makes me. Yeah, makes well, me kind of like. Not like I don't like it. I get a disgust feeling. Well, it's because there's no point to it, really. At this point, like that's not really a that's not a doing it is not anything novel or interesting or whatever. So they're just being a kind of a dumb cretin to do it. Like if you spit in church, it's like well, why? Like what's the point? Right, if you like, want to make some sort of protest, oh. actually make one that's ha- that's meaningful. This yeah. is a stupid one. So of yeah. course I feel the same way. Like this is dumb, but I don't think it's a. But this is not like a should never be illegal. It's a free speech situation it sounds goofy and I, I don't know if it's because of how I was brought up or like you know just if I've been brainwashed or what or or just how I feel but I I, I genuinely like love America like and I know it's like not cool to say oh man um, bring it home I, I do I, I know it's I know it's like it's not it's not cool to to, to, to say that I guess and I'm not gonna apologize for it because how I feel um, totally because I do, I do love this country there is nowhere else I'd rather live I'm not saying I know Oh, that some countries do other things better. This country has major problems. And I've never liked this country less than I like it this year, but I still <laughs> love it. Uh, but I think the flag burning to me, and I think, I know, I know this is not, once again, I, I that's okay. I'm kind of talking about how you feel. It's fine. I'm, I'm talking both sides of my mouth. Cause I think it's complicated. And it's interesting to talk about, yeah. but like, like my grandfather fought and died with bold. And yep. like, you know, he could have died out there and I, I loved him. And like, he's a great guy. And like, you know, you know, so I always, I, I feel like it, it's, and people are like, well, you can't connect the flag to the military. Is that those aren't? But like, you kind of can I don't. though. I don't. But yeah, I get. I but, understand but, why. But, but you can though. Well, there's a huge marketing push to do that, and right. it's been that way for a hundred years. But but I get it. I guess it's just like the flag is a, is a symbol, right? Yeah. So like, I guess it's like to everybody takes symbols differently. So I can kind of like how I perceive a symbol isn't what somebody else perceives a symbol. Like symbols by itself probably aren't the best way to go. Oh yeah, agreed. Yeah, because then you're idolizing something like that. That, that it's like not a fabric. A, you're idolizing it's, like right, this random yeah, fabric, right? But you see it as disrespectful, and that pisses you off. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I see it as dumb. That dumb, like mostly, it's just because it's just been done so many times. It like has no meaning anymore. So dumb people do it. That that's the way I look at it. It has nothing to do with respect or no respect to me. Because I, I, what I'm saying is, I understand the distaste when you see it. Because I feel a bit of that too, but it's for a different reason. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I know I'm kind of like, I'm like, it sounds like I'm hedging my bets here. I'm not trying to sound like that. I'm very conflicted on it. Yeah, because you are a free speech absolutist. Right. As am I. And I really, but I also think there's like, I'm a free speech absolutist. absolutist. I, I am. I don't believe, I hate censorship. I hate all that stuff. Yeah. Like, especially with art. Yep. That's my whole thing. It's like, don't censor art. Of course. But, the same but everything's time, art, so you can't, you can't even define it. You have to be, in, see, I, I don't like that couch. Everything is art. So you can't, you can't just well, discern. aren't art, I guess. Like, no, but you can't just discern, you can't just say, oh, in art, I'm an absolutist. No, it's in life, you're an absolutist because your art is different than someone else's art. You can't, that's, that well, is nebulous think, and subjective. I don't think anyone should be in prison for speech. Exactly. I agree with that, absolutely. Or fined. No, no. I agree. Yeah. But I think we can also be like, this guy's an asshole. Absolutely. If someone goes to an old woman and goes, you fucking cunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. some random old lady. Yeah. You'd be like, what are you doing? That's really rude. Don't right. do that. And I feel like that when you, when you burn a flag, you're like, that guy kind of sucks. Like, why are you doing that? Now, I know people burn it for other reasons that maybe are just and maybe reasons I agree with, so maybe it's a little more complicated than that. But if someone's just doing it to be like, to like for vandalism's sake or to be like a rebel's sake, I'm like, that sucks. The same way I like go into this old lady and like, you know, making, you know, making like vagina jokes. This old lady's like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, this guy's kind of shitty. Yeah, here. I agree. So I guess I find it offensive, but it shouldn't be illegal. I think that's a, an absolutely like perfect way to sum it up. We don't, you know, you protect the, you protect this, the speech that you hate. That's, that's when you're a free speech warrior. If you say this person can say it right and they're fucking assholes, but they can say it. But I, we, we also, we also should be able to call them assholes too. I agree. I, and like not, and like, I feel like with the flag burning like, or whatever, saying you love America, you probably the better way to do it. You almost like, you look down like what a loser, what a square for saying these things. But like, well, I don't know, man. Like we're all here. Like it's, it's, you know, I don't know. It's a complicated time. Is it? it isn't it? I'll help you through it. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> what are you going to do? Save the world? No, I feel like, I feel like it's just like there's so much just disrest like in this country right now. And it's just like, eh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I sound exhausted about it because I just am. A little bit right now. Yeah. I am just like tired of all of the, uh, you know, the, the really the politics of it. This is probably the, you know, we're, we're taping this during the DNC week. Sure. And it's just like, uh, you know, Oh, that was an amazing performance at the end by Steven still and some <laughs> other guy in a bad costume. It's <laughs> like, strange. is this real? <laughs> so I made a good point. They're like, I don't want to get down. this road too much. No, no, show. but it was still but, fun. Like that but, but image was like, funny. But it's like, you have all of Hollywood in your pocket. Like that you have all, of Hollywood, you have the so movie ever. much money. That's what you could drag out. And you're really? on this like blue screen dancing on a flag. So bizarre. It was really, that was in a bat costume. Like it was really funny. I, so I guess in, in conclusion, <laughs> I do love America. Okay. I don't agree with burning flags. Okay. But it shouldn't be illegal. That's my take. I think we're on basically the same page here. Matt's four burning flags. Matt's trying to overtake America. <laughs> and Matt uses the flag as toilet paper. That's, I think that's the perfect summation. <laughs> so we're actually, this is pretty cool. So we are taking next week off, which sucks. I, I get it. Yeah, so we're sorry. My fault. We'd like to do it. It's going mostly because Chris keeps going away yeah, and I'm, he I'm, keeps I'm, making me rearrange my schedule to accommodate him. Yes. It's very insensitive. I find it more uh, insensitive than burning flag, but here's where we are. This is where we're at. It's more, more inconvenient. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm just not around. That it's much fine. Much. But so we are back in two weeks yeah. and we're doing, we're going uh, back to 1983. Right. Which is actually fun. We haven't been in the eighties in a while. I think we haven't. And these movies are really emblematic time. We're doing Scarface. Yeah. Uh, so next time you hear us, we're doing Scarface and uh, the big chill, which are two classic movies. Um, totally. That are really of, of their time. 
Yeah. Specifically, like these are like movies just wouldn't see made today. So it'd be really fun to kind of take take those on. And the music, I think we're gonna do it sounds great. Yeah, and I really like the idea of doing early Pacino or earlier Pacino. Yeah. I think that's a neat. I mean, we'll never touch early Pacino. N- no, never. We It'll be too right. But this is still like you know. 30 pre, years pre ago. Oscar Pacino. Right. And um right. And uh and also the Palma movie. And then yeah. you know, and then you got the big show, which is, you know, for boomers a classic. Yeah, they fucking love um, that. Um and I think it's gonna be interesting to kind of take that on from this so I'm actually really looking forward to that's gonna to be a good episode. one. So um yeah, so after this we'll week. see you. Yeah, I know this week was kind of it was bad. Bad. plus this week sucked. Yeah. Uh we're back in uh in two weeks. We're back well, a week and a half from this, I guess. Yeah. And uh with Scarface. We'll see you then. <laughs>